0: Banks tell FICO how to score credit reports. They advise them on what the FICO system should spit out.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: these scoring models and these credit bureaus do not exist for consumers or people like me and you. They They exist for the big banks so that they could assess risk.
1: Welcome to the Selling Sandoval podcast, where we dive deep into the world of real estate in sunny California. I'm your host, Victoria Sandoval, and I'm thrilled to have you join me as I sit down with top-notch professionals, market analysts, and influential leaders who have mastered the art of closing deals. Together, we'll explore the ever-evolving market trends, debunk myths, and empower you with the tools to negotiate like a pro. So whether you're a buyer, seller, or agent seeking inspiration, this podcast is your key to unlocking real estate success in California. This is The Selling Sandoval podcast. I'm Victoria Sandoval, and I'm excited to embark on this journey with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Selling Sandoval. Our guest is Ali Zane. Thank you for joining us again for uh, session number two regarding credit. Uh, So, just a quick introduction if you didn't listen to the first podcast, interview with him. Um, He is a credit restoration coach. He's licensed uh, LDA in California Superior Court, which he explained in the uh, last episode what that meant. He's helped thousands, well, hundreds, close to thousands of clients, uh, repair their credit, and he used to mor- uh, run a mortgage company as well. So he's a wealth of knowledge. Welcome again, um, and thank you for your time. I'm sure everyone's excited to listen to this this uh, episode, because if you listen to our first episode, we already learned about, you know, the different mortgage uh, scores, and basically, um, at this point, you probably have already ran your credit score um, and you understand what scores are needed for approval. Um, And again, in this episode, we're gonna give you the resources on how to increase your credit score and get those target scores for a mortgage approval. All right? So um all right, so if we can rehash the last episode as far as the parameters needed needed to get a uh, home loan, let's let's go ahead and do that now.
0: <laughs> yeah. so in the last episode, we get we got over we went over if somebody has even average or slightly below average credit, their chances of getting approved for a home loan are pretty decent uh, thanks to the FHA program, which is the first time homebuyers program, which requires a score of somewhere from 580 to 600 to get one's foot in the door um, uh, in mm-hmm. most cases. And the down payment requirement is pretty low for that program too. And the reason why that program exists that it's government backed. So if, Somebody defaults on the loan, the government basically will come in and help out the lender. So lenders are not as stingy when it comes to giving out those loans, and you know, uh, uh, and have good terms as well too. And um, uh, and then we also went over that your the credit scores that we're seeing online are not the scores that lenders look at. Uh, in order to actually look at the real credit scores, you're going to go to a website called MyFICO or you may have to go to a mortgage broker or lender. Uh, they're going to look at the FICO versions of your credit score. And within those, there is a auto loan score, there's a credit card score, there's a mortgage score. So each of these industries depends on what type of a loan have has, have you applied for, runs a different mm-hmm. version of that score. And um, so so that's pretty much... I think as it's, it's to the rehash, um, one thing else that I would uh, like want to, want to tell people is the scores that people are seeing online on credit karma are not the real scores, so please take them with a grain of salt. They're nowhere even, they may not even be close to what a mortgage company would pull. So that's a cautionary, you know, word here.
1: All right. So the best way to get your, your mortgage credit score would be to speak to a mortgage broker and have them run your credit. There's there's no there's no other system that they that a, <clears throat> a client can use that you know of as of now. My
0: yeah, myfICO.com. Uh myfICO.com.
1: you'll
0: get, you'll get will give you different versions of the credit score, but okay. um they'll give you like seven, eight versions of, of your credit score, and one of them is gonna be geared towards mortgages, but you're gonna end up spending like four, 40 bucks or something to that extent to get the full, you know, uh, uh, layout of the different type of scores
1: there. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the psychology of credit and how this system has traumatized people. Because you were you had mentioned earlier pre uh, previously to. Prior to recording, sorry, uh, how you've experienced how buyers have felt really uh, not buyers in general, but clients have felt really bad about themselves. They feel kind of ashamed or scared to check their credit, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's so, unfortunate. Yeah, and I mean, keep in mind that you know I've gone through a similar process myself of so like having to restore my credit and what have you, um, and I and this kind of like you know my story is that you know back in 2010 you know i ended up uh you know having some family issues my dad passed away and i kind of like you know was in mental breakdown i ended up losing my home my cars and all this stuff and i remember walking Mm -hmm. into verizon which actually the same phone number that i have till this day back in 2012 i'd say and like having you know just so much and you know I was so timid walking into Verizon. I'm like, I hope I don't get turned down. And it right. was just like, I was just applying for, a, you know, there was just a lot of shame around
1: yeah. around
0: this, you know? And I realized I'm like, yeah, this is what people go through on a daily basis. And unfortunately, you know, the credit scoring system, you know, in a way, ha- you know, it's taken people's dignity away. Absolutely. And people people are told that, hey, if you have bad credit, you're a bad person. Well, keep in mind that, yes, we have some bad actors that commit fraud, but those are like less than right. 1% of the population if that. And these are the guys that steal identities and, and so forth and, you know, on purpose, like defraud banks. But majority right. of people in this country are just trying to get by, um, you know, and given the fact where wages are for most people, right? Like we're, you know, I think the average American has like less than a week's reserve, You know, so it's very possible for Mm -hmm. anybody of millions and millions of people to fall behind on something. You lose Mm -hmm. your job, have a debt in the family or a family member gets, you know, gets unhealthy and you have to pay their bills, you know, or your kid has to go to college. You know, people have to make these decisions. And, you know, we're basically told, you know, in the system that if you have low credit, you are not enough. You're a bad person. There's something wrong with you. And. Mm -hmm. You know, many lenders, unlike yourself, just discard these people that you know have low credit, and because they're like, "Hey, come back to us when things are better." Right. Uh, and you know, and and the problem is that I tell people there there's kind of like a they're they're kind of like two two ends to this. One thing is that you know now, thankfully, I have good credit, but now back in the day when I you know before I my credit became you know, before I went through a financially difficult period, I to have a lot of pride in my credit. Like, hey, my score is 750. This says this about me. Right.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm the man.
0: <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. like, yeah. And I would just look at my credit report and like pat myself on the back. Right. <laughs> and I remember when uh, uh so it became a source of validation. And I remember right. when, you know, my credit score tubed, I emotionally I tubed with it. Mm. And you know and then finally you know i realized you know after walking to that verizon store i realized oh i get it like this is not this is not me right like right. this has nothing got to do with who i am as a human being so exactly. when my credit got better it didn't really like i didn't i didn't drive that validation piece from it right so i'm like hey mm-hmm. my credit's good it doesn't make it doesn't make me any better than anybody else it doesn't make me worse than anybody else either it just is a reflection that hey i'm financially doing okay it has nothing to do with who i am as a human being period and exactly of
1: story. yeah exactly thanks for sharing that story because i feel like i would say 90% of america americans have experienced that feeling i myself included where you just kind of feel like a piece of for lack of a better word, <laughs> if yeah. your credit is not, uh, if it's not perfect, and uh, it's, no, let me ask you this, is the credit scoring system, is it rigged against people?
0: Yeah, so here's, here's an interesting thing, right, um, let me tell you something really bizarre, okay, mm-hmm. let's just say, if, if you're making decent income, and what have you, you apply for, and this has happened a lot, people have applied for a six, seven hundred thousand dollar home, right? And they've come to me and they said, "Hey, we fell behind on a one dollar interest payment, and our score went down a hundred points." Wow! But what <laughs> sense does that make? Exactly. <laughs> so the, here's the thing about credit: credit does not differentiate. The credit scoring system does not differentiate between a one dollar missed payment and a ten thousand dollar missed payment or a collection. I it see. does not differentiate between a ten dollar collection. And a ten thousand dollar collection or a million dollar collection. So I understand that if somebody's has a serious delinquency in terms of amounts, right like it's a large amount that their credit score should be dinged and what mm-hmm. have you right but you know if I make eighty thousand dollars a year and I miss a ten dollar bill, it's not because I didn't have the money to pay so the credit system assumes automatically that everything on your credit report is due to some financial hardship. Now, I've mm-hmm. gotten into arguments with people at FICO, one of their directors. And I call them out. And I'm like, "What? how do you justify digging somebody 100 points over a $1 late payment if that person makes $70,000 a year? Can't your credit scoring system understand that this is an oversight not to dig them? And their right. response was, well you know the banks understand this no the banks don't understand this like the banks actually use this to their advantage they're like oh you have a 640 credit score and you have a one dollar missed payment or a ten dollar collection or a 50 dollar collection so our guidelines say at this credit score you get a crappy rate mm-hmm. so this is to one you. Way, but, yeah mm-hmm. so this is one way that banks know that you're not a you're not a risk but the but wink wink they'll tell you oh we're just looking at the credit score and guess what Banks and the FICO scoring system, they have a marriage where banks tell FICO how to score credit reports. They advise them on what the FICO system should spit out.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So these scoring models and these credit bureaus do not exist for consumers or people like me and you. They they exist for the big banks so that they could assess risk for people. Interesting. So- So if we're not the ones that are filling the coffers of FICO and these credit bureaus uh, and what have you, then, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't don't really care. Uh, So they will only defer to the bank. So therefore, the banks, you know, on one hand, here's what I tell people. If you have messed up credit in this this country and um, you've defaulted on bills, you know, you could bet your butt that your score is going to be low. But there is no guarantee that even if you've, if you're financially able and in good standing with everything, like something like you missing one payment, a small payment could lead to bad credit. You know, so so this is kind of like one of the major, major issues with credit that it doesn't take into consideration people's income, people's ability to pay uh, and what have you and all it's looking at is very raw data. And I think it's by design
1: interesting so if someone were to be in that scenario where they did they did default by a dollar right uh yeah. or you know i've had situations where i've paid off my credit cards and then the annual fee kicks in right and i don't know yeah. i think hey my credit card's paid for i don't even bother opening those letters because it's just like a, a statement to show it's a zero balance right and then all of a sudden I'm behind. Thank God. You know, that sometimes the banks will call or the creditors will call um, and say, hey, we haven't received a payment. So you get alerted before. But I mean, I was so close to getting a 30 day late over something so small. So in a situation like that, is it easy to get that removed from your credit or do you you just gotta let let it season Mm. for a while? So here's what what I was. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, you know, we've dealt with this issue a lot, and this is what Mm -hmm. keeps people from getting approved. Very often, and um, the you know most of the time I tell people, hey, make a call to the lender and just see if they'll be willing to remove this as a courtesy. Because sometimes they mess up and uh, they didn't they don't send a bill out or something to that extensive. They see some error in their system. They, they'll they'll more than likely make the make the adjustment. But ninety five percent of the times they don't. They basically say the credit bureaus keep us from removing late payments because our agreement with the credit bureau states, we need to report Mm -hmm. accurate information. So if we didn't didn't receive your payment, we can't lie and say, we received your payment. That's the line that they use quote unquote. Mm. And, uh, and they say that this is against the fair credit reporting act. Now in, you know uh, however, what the fair credit, what's not in the fair, what, The Fair Credit Reporting Act says, if you're gonna report something, report something accurately, but it does not keep the lender from removing something. So for instance, if you're a lender, it's your choice to report the entire account or not report it. But if you're gonna report it, then this should be reported accurately. So lenders have this this choice to remove an entire account, but then the credit bureaus don't want them to remove accounts because the credit bureaus are getting paid when accounts are being reported on a monthly basis as such. Mm -hmm. So, you know, generally, like we have to kind of like thread that needle and, you know, really do a lot. You know, we often have to sue lenders based on violations we see on credit reports and so forth, you know, mm-hmm. help people file arbitration cases and whatnot. So unless there is unless there is their seats, the lender's feet are put to the fire, they're not willing to do much, um, Interesting. you know. And generally what a lot of people do, is the simplest thing a lot of people do is that they put in these simple credit beer disputes, but the credit bureaus just check with the lender and ask, hey, was I late? Was this person late or not? And they always defer to what the lender says to the credit bureau is not what the client is saying. But credit bureau disputes are effective if something, you know, let's just say if you had an account that had been closed for five, six years and the lender had no record of you in their system as ever being a client, then if one does a credit beer dispute, that may end up working. But that's in very, very remote instances.
1: So in a situation where a client has called a bank and the bank refuses and they basically give give them the same spiel where we can't lie and we have to report this, this and that, should they just settle for that answer or is it worth it for the client to try to contact you for additional help to see if, would you recommend that they take no for an answer or?
0: (laughs) Well, first of all, when somebody calls me and says, hey, I want to restore this, the first thing I ask them is, hey, make a quick yes or no phone call to the lender and see what they say. You may get. You may be one of those one or 20 people that may get lucky. And if not, okay. then I'll have a look at it and see what we could do. Generally, okay. there are certain lenders that are very tough to deal with. There are certain lenders that are much easier to deal with as such too. So I okay. always tell the clients that, hey, whatever issue you have, let's call, call us, you know, talk to a professional, and then let us figure out if we're the right fit for you. And if we're not, we may give you some self-help tips as such, right? Because in certain instances, credit repair is effective depending on who the lender is, what the circumstances, and in other, in other cases, um, you know, it's not as much.
1: Okay, well, I know you're very, very busy, so I only have a few more questions. Uh, sure. So does credit repair remain bad forever? And what if somebody owes thousands of dollars in debt? Like what are the rights afforded uh, afforded to people by law?
0: Yeah, so thank you for that. That's a great question, you know, and and basically to term it uh, simply is if I fall behind on something uh, or if I have bad credit right now, am I forever doomed, right? So in the U.S., there's a statute of limitations for seven years for credit reporting. That's what they call the federal statute under the FCRA, which states that if I fall behind on something today, Meaning that I stop paying on something totally, that account will stay on my credit report for up to seven years. Uh, if I fall behind on my electricity bill and just stop paying it, same thing; it'll come on my credit report, but it will not exceed seven years. Right. So the seven-year period starts from the time the account fell behind. However, I see. Uh, uh, every state has a different statute for uh, statute of limitations for. Uh, collection activity so what do i mean by that well that means that let's just say if i fall on fall behind on say my car note and my car notes gets you know my car gets repossessed and i'm on the hook for ten thousand bucks or whatever uh mm-hmm. after the car is sold well the lender has up to seven years to keep on reporting it on the credit report but in california they have up to four years to sue me for that debt as such okay. so they could sue me for up to four years and uh, reported for up to seven years. So those are the two most important things that people need to know if they've basically fallen behind on debts and just kind of gone underground and not been able to pay people. Is that mm. are you past the statute of limitations? Because you have very large debts, thousands and thousands of dollars. Lenders may try to turn around and try to sue, um, or uh, or if uh, and also looking at the credit report as to when those debts fall behind fell behind. So mm. if Somebody doesn't do anything on their credit report, just falls behind on everything. Today, in seven years' time, their credit report would be free and clear of any negative stuff. As long as you know, they yes, it is possible that you know maybe one in one in ten creditors—I would say—I'm taking a guess here—that um, uh, take people to court over a very large thousand-dollar, you know, several thousand-dollar debts. But for the most part, you know, that's kind of like the rule of thumb that people can kind of like abide by.
1: Okay, well, that's great stuff. Good to know. You learn something every day. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, you are a wealth of knowledge. Uh, We've learned so much, and I there's a ton of takeaways. So I took a ton of notes, and um, I'm really, really excited to share this with everyone. Thank you for your time once again. And oh, one last question How can one get a hold of you if they want to hire you for help?
0: Yes, yeah, so people could go to, to our website, uh, www.imaxcredit.com. You know, uh, uh, our team will be able to get back to them, give them a free consultation and figure out like if credit repair is the right solution for them. And if not, you know, we may, you know, guide them elsewhere or give them some self-help tips. Uh, and such. Perfect.
1: Great. Thanks so much, Ali. Okay. All right, guys, thanks for listening in. Until next time, don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Selling Sandoval podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for more valuable insights and practical tips. Remember, Whether you're a buyer, seller or an aspiring real estate agent, the Selling Sandoval podcast is your trusted companion in navigating the dynamic California real estate landscape. Until next time, keep dreaming big and making those real estate dreams a reality. This is Victoria Sandoval signing off from the Selling Sandoval podcast, wishing you success and happiness in all of your real estate endeavors.